Standing up in McKinney, this is According to Callus. It is January the 12th, episode 331, and we continue with the problem series. And when I was kind of thinking about how I wanted to do this, I came to the conclusion that one episode wasn't going to be enough. In fact, I'm probably going to end up doing three episodes. The reason being is I think there are some solutions that are directly inherent and answer some of the questions involved with it. And because it is my desire to do more than just show up four or five times a week complaining about issues and actually offer solutions or ideas that could be implemented, should be implemented, and might, just might, improve the situation. So with that in mind, I've decided that episode two is going to be titled Welcomed to the Machine. And when I thought about it, I questioned myself as to whether or not I have used that title before. So I'm going to run that as a subtitle. So it'll be The Problem with Power, Welcome to the Machine. And then I think the third episode is going to be The Cry for Liberty. And I think it's going to be a little bit of hyperbole in the title, but I think when I get there, it'll make sense. So before we get into the meat of the show here, let me just remind you, ask you, subscribe, share, like the show, comment, rate. The biggest thing that I can do right now is remind you and ask you to subscribe to the show. I have a lot of listens. My goal um, is to get north of 200 subscribers by the end of the month. I don't think that's a outlandish goal, but it is a major stretch goal. And if I don't make it, that's okay. But I think that showing support by subscribing is the very least I can ask from my listening audience. It doesn't cost you anything. This is my labor of love. At some point, <laughs> it'd be nice if I could at least... Uh, break even or make a little money on this. But you know what? Everything has a cost. Liberty is not free. And I would much rather pay a minor cost now to affect some change now than have no choice but to basically sacrifice everything later. So with that in mind, let's get into the show. Let me kind of lay out the three main issues, if you will. When people are in power, it leads to corruption, it leads to abuse, and it leads to control or a need to control. Now, I've heard for decades, for years, the tripe that, well, if we just get the right people in power, it'll fix it. Or better yet, um, better to have the power under our control than the other guys to have it. Okay. You know, one of the things, and I, and I guess I really need to say this before I go any further, very little of what I'm going to say is original new thought on my part. I I know that's shocking to some of you out there, but I have done a lot of listening, a lot of reading over the years. And a lot of that's amalgam together to, make up a worldview that's competitive with my, or competitive, (laughs) uh, that 
is in cooperation or can coexist or doesn't interfere with my Christian faith. And at times there's tension and at times there's some challenges and things that got to be worked out. And it's not always an easy answer, but you can get there. Now I know, and and actually before I get into this, let me lay a little more groundwork here. If you'll bear with me for just a couple more minutes here. For many years as a self-identified libertarian or libertarian leaning Republican or whatever you want to call it. And I, and I still would identify as a Liberty activist or a Liberty Republican, but it came, I came to the conclusion that there were two deal breakers that I would need to be able to either overlook or just remain completely unsatisfied with if I were to go join the Libertarian Party. And in fairness to the party and in fairness to libertarians, they don't agree on either of these issues. There, There is no consensus. In fact, there is a roiling argument all the time whenever I peek into the libertarian world. And I believe there are two distinct answers and correct answers uh, to preserve liberty. But I'm not the prevailing point of view, nor am I in any superpower where I can declare it from up on high that it's going to be Lex Rex. This is what the Libertarian Party believes. And in true Libertarian fashion, nor would I want to do that, nor would I think that was a good idea. So those two issues are pre-birth murder and the idea that there should be no borders. Okay. I think I've answered both of those many, many times in the past. But those are the two deal breakers for me. And unless you have a cohesive and consistent answer for both of those, at least at the party level, knowing full well that members of your party are going to thumb their nose at it or not support it, much like the Republican Party states they want a secure border, states that they think it's wrong to kill babies in the womb, we know that there's a large number of people that say they're part of the club, part of the party, whatever you want to call it, that don't agree with that. And rather than continuing to fight about that day in and day out, they accept the idea that the greater good is at play. And honestly, for those people that disagree with us, those might not be deal breakers. But for me, those were the two deal breakers that I ultimately had to, I guess, never or not be willing to ever accept that I could be a libertarian. Okay. So as a Republican and, and, and I guess rolling this back a little bit further, having grown up just outside of Milwaukee, there was a bit of a political dynasty as well as a established order of things. And while that might've been more benign than say New York or Chicago, which was about 90 miles south of us, there was a distinct way that there's a club. Everybody in the club has a certain party label after them. And if you're not in that club, (laughs) you're going nowhere, buddy. Now, some of that broke up coincidentally after I had moved down to Texas and uh, 
for the life of me, I'm not quite sure how that played out or how that happened. Milwaukee County basically had a stranglehold on the area around it for quite some time. So I guess as the population shifted and, you know, the suburbs got larger, they were able to counterbalance some of that. But that was the childhood or the experience I had as a young man that the party in power wants to keep its power is often or almost always rife with corruption and they always want more control and they will abuse their power. So the problem with power, now that I've kind of laid out some groundwork of how I got to where I'm at, is that when you have that power, you want to keep the power. And the way you keep the power is to keep getting reelected or at least placing your friends, your allies, your close associates in other positions of power to solidify your control. And the way you do that is you've got to cut those deals. And I have said many times before that I understand that a lot of cities have the city quote unquote fathers, right? The clique that kind of runs the city. And a lot of times it can be benign. It's because they're disassociated. They're not directly involved with what's happening. But believe you me, if the city were to venture into something that was going to cause them pain or cause them a problem, they would assert their authority, their influence, their soft power. Now I've got the opportunity to watch that play out in my hometown. And I don't know that I can put a particular timestamp on this, but I'm going to go back approximately 10 years. Approximately 10 years, some of the city fathers, for lack of a better word, decided that they didn't like the way things were. And we, the people, had a little bit too much say and we were maybe doing things that they didn't want. So they got involved. In the first go-round, they were not successful at all, but they learned from their mistakes, and they showed up a second time, and they won, and they won big. They found a really good mouthpiece, and quite frankly, he is effective at what he does. I don't have to agree with it. I don't have to like it, but I will acknowledge it for what it is. And a number of, let's call them rubber stamps, that's less offensive and less... uh, less of an accusation, just meaning they go along to get along. And why wouldn't they? Because at least two of those guys have a vested interest in playing along and seeing how this is going to work out because they are associated directly with same said city fathers. And again, if it were benign, if it was, you know, generally a benefit to everybody around them. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't like it. I'd be uncomfortable with it. But it would have no negative effect. And but over time, the control. The control has expanded, and the, the need for control over the narrative and the actions has tightened. This can be seen in various ways, but most notably the dissent. It's not really tolerated. Unless it's approved dissent, meaning that this is a long-standing policy that was in place before I got here, and we really don't care about this one way or the other, or quite frankly, we'd like to go away with it, but we don't want to dirty ourselves to do that. So we're going to encourage people to come here and create a problem so that we can step in and fix it. Right? Thesis, antithesis, 
and then synthesis. And they almost got away with it. They, I mean, think about it. We had a governor who spent a large part of his life in our town. A general. A doctor, a lawyer, a guy that was very, very influential and important in the history of the city of McKinney and Collin County for that matter. But because he was on the wrong side of a single issue, really, because he's on the wrong side of that, he is not fit to represent our city any longer. In fact, he's an embarrassment. Now, we watch this play out all over the place and mostly guided by outside agitators, right? People that had no vested interest, which is not to say that in McKinney here, there aren't some people that when they learn about what that is, because I got to tell you, I'm quite confident 90% of the people that live in the city of McKinney have no idea who Throckmorton was or his importance, but, but they heard certain things and they felt the need to virtue signal. And, you know, we had people come in and make a big stink out of something that really wasn't hurting anybody that wasn't causing a problem. It was a non-issue until somebody decided to make it an issue to stir the pot, if you will, because it was about control. It was about asserting that we're a new, we want to go a different direction. Well, there's something to be said for that. And I can appreciate that, but that's clearly not what the majority of the people would want. Now the city of McKinney has changed a lot in the 25 years plus that I've been here that we're quadruple the size of where we were when I got here. And we have a lot more businesses, a lot more people. Um, I guess it'd be fair to say a lot more cultural representation. Take that for what you want. I'm not casting stones, just trying to explain it. And none of that's inherently bad. But on the flip side, it's not inherently good either. Because typically when you go to an area and you become part of a community, you're supposed to embrace the community you went to. You're not supposed to seek to upend that community. You're not supposed to erase that community's history. You're not supposed to, quite frankly, defecate all over it. But that's not what happened or that's not what's trying to be happened. Now, again, like I said, for the time being, they were unsuccessful. For the time being, the people showed up and said, no, we don't want this. It's not that important. Leave it alone. Now, I know there will be some people that can give impassioned pleas both ways. And I honestly have no issue with additional things being put up, additional things being done. If you feel the need to highlight other people of importance or contextualize how we disavow this single issue that was so divisive in history which it was, but so that's just the control, right? The control was, is we want to control the narrative. We want to recreate or recast McKinney and what our vision is. And you're not allowed to have anything different than that. Again, when I moved here, McKinney was largely a bedroom community. There was very little emphasis on putting businesses in. In fact, I distinctly remember going back to a city council meeting, I'm going to say probably 15 years ago, just as a best guess. And there was a bail bond company that wanted to put signage on highway 75 and it would have had a neon sign that was forbidden. No, that's not allowed. They shut it down. They, they incense 
in a sense, told a company that was in town, we're not interested in you expanding. We're not interested in you growing. We would rather punish you for staying in the city of McKinney, which is ironic to me because now fast forward, we have several signs, some actually for the city of McKinney that have neon on them and they stand prominently for the downtown area. What changed? What was the vision? Clearly, it was the desire to step forward. Now, I applaud any business that wants to move to our town and invest their time and their money to build a business. But this gets back into control, right? Well, we only want certain businesses. We only want certain people with certain businesses. And we're going to make it more challenging and more difficult for those people that we don't necessarily want to have businesses in town than others, which directly connects into corruption. You see, there are several stories (laughs) that I'm aware of uh, that have taken place in that same period of time, whereupon people that tried to open up businesses as if they didn't grease the skids. And yes, I mean that in the way that... uh, Back to school referenced it, right? You got you to pay off those politicians. Unless those skids weren't greased, and it wasn't necessarily the politicians directly, but uh, certain people that work for the city, if you didn't make them happy or do this little side deal on them, they didn't want to help you out. In fact, they would cost you time and money. And to be quite honest with you, I don't see a lot of evidence that that's changed. Now, I think the uh, city's got a relatively hands-off approach on homeowners. I I applaud that. I think that's good. Uh, They are not excessive on their zoning stuff, mostly because they have HOAs everywhere. But as a whole, I don't see that as a huge, huge problem. But if you're trying to grow businesses, you're trying to entice businesses and expansion of the tax base, it would seem to me that you would want to be friendly and work with these business owners. And all business owners. And then you need to go no further than our local McKinney Karen's page here. And they're always griping about a donut shop, a nail salon, a Froyo place. These are people that have put in years, perhaps, quarter million dollars or more, investing in a business to try and open it up because they think they might be successful. And we've got people that are going to poo-poo them and try and run them off and complain because they don't approve of that. That makes no sense to me. And for what it's worth, I think the city, the city fathers, if you will, owe it to people that are willing to invest in the city to kind of have their back. And they don't unless they play along. And I'm not going to get into corruption because I'm not going to make any direct accusations. And even if I had names, which I don't, I wouldn't name them because now we're going into territory that, well, that gets you legally in trouble. And it could make your life absolutely miserable. So I'm going to avoid that. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have any one person's name. And when dealing with this, honestly, the people making the accusations often don't want to use names because they're afraid of the same thing, retribution. And I can't fault them for that. And if you don't believe me, (laughs) you can look no further than the school board. Now, the school board is going to be the example I'm going to use for abuse, but they're not the only power structure in this city that abuses their power. 
But if you've looked at what they've done over the last year, where they've refused to address issues, they've refused to even acknowledge that there was a problem, they've refused to do the job they were actually hired to do. And we got one guy up there, and they spend more time going after Chad Green and all the garbage and stuff they can take after. And yes, full disclosure, Chad is a personal friend of mine. And we disagree on a couple different things, but he's still my friend and I still think he's trying to do a good job there. And I'm shocked (laughs) at how vicious the board is at going after him as opposed to actually dealing with the problems at hand. Now, I could lay it at the board president's feet, but I don't think she's the problem. I think it was largely put upon by the outgoing superintendent. And for good or bad, the superintendent has a lot of sway over that board. I think that's a problem because he works for them, not the other way around. But again, this comes down to power and the abuse of power. And perhaps it's because we have a majority on the school board that really don't know what they're doing, don't know what they stand for, don't know what they think, they don't know what's best. They just go along with whatever they're told. They, in fact, are rubber stamps or worse yet, carbon paper. So they will do whatever they're told. And I really don't think that's a good way to represent their constituents. I don't think they're doing us any favors. Now, whether I agree with them on a specific issue or not, if you can get up there and articulate why you believe what you believe and how you feel about a specific issue or what you think about this problem, okay, we could probably agree to disagree if we don't on a solution. But if we can at least say, well, yeah, this is an issue. My solution is X, your solution is Y. Well, what are our options here? How do we work forward on this? But they won't do that. And that, to me, that's an abuse of power. That's that's a need to control. And again, this is going back to controlling the narrative. They went from having, I wouldn't say unlimited time, but certainly a three-minute time frame to one minute. But you can have 30 people because they've only allowed comment for 30 minutes. Why? Because they don't want to hear what you have to say. They don't really care what the public thinks. And again, that's an abuse. And I've talked about this repeatedly in the past, and I'm just using these as the examples so I can drive home what I'm getting at with the problem with power. So we've talked a little bit about corruption. Again, you've got to be very careful there. You don't want to make accusations that can't be proven. You don't want to make accusations that you don't have direct evidence of. But we need to look no further than the last election cycle for people dreaming things up or making accusations And nothing was done about it. I don't know what to make of that, but it is kind of a problem in my opinion. Now, you got to at the very least investigate these things. And if there's nothing there, great. Make your press conference. There's nothing to this. Or, uh, yeah, we did investigate this. We found portion A true, but portion B is completely false. Therefore, negating, you know, portion A. I mean, it doesn't seem to be that hard But again, this will probably feed into the next episode on the machine. Now, if you want another example of this, maybe at a higher level, (laughs) just look down to Austin and the events in the last several days, right? Clearly, we know it's corrupt because they cut all these deals. 
they were uniform on who they voted for to be the speaker, even though the speaker hasn't done us a lot of favors. Now, I take that back. There were four people that opposed that. Tony Tinderhold threw his hat in the ring, knowing full well he was going to lose. Brian Slayton, God, I love that guy, said, no, I'm going to nominate him and I'm going to stand here and tell you that this is what we need to do. And I think there's two other guys, and quite frankly, I'm sorry, I don't know who they were. I don't know them. And that's not an insult. I just, I don't. And then the rules got moved up a day early so they wouldn't have to face the hundreds of people that were coming from across the state to be heard and speak their piece on what they think about the fact that the number one priority out of the Republican state convention, the Republicans don't give a rip about. The elected officials just took a giant defecation on that because that's an abuse of power. That's control, right? They want the control and they utilize the control. There's, I guess, one or two good arguments why you would put somebody from the opposition party in power on certain um, committees, right? Because that person on the opposite party or opposition party actually agrees with you on those issues and you want to empower them to help you get certain things done. But when you have a majority, you have a majority. The problem is is we don't really have a majority, right? We don't have 60 people or 80 people or 90 people that are in agreement on certain things. No, no, no. They're going to do what they want to do and say the majority of the majority, right, which is a plurality, actually wants to do X, Y, and Z, but they don't have enough authority or power to do that. Now, that's where the abuse comes, right? We're going to abuse our people, our constituents. We're going to tell them one thing and do another. We're going to give them crumbs And tell them how great it was and how great we are because we got eh, a couple things done for you. Just like it. Love it. This is what's best. I mean, I hate to be this way. I mean, the session just started. And I got to be honest, I've always been pessimistic about what was going to happen. And I fully acknowledge that if you want to move up the ranks, you have to sacrifice yourself. Now, I've been around long enough that I remember when two members of the Freedom Caucus were elected from Cowan County. Now they both ended up in districts that became increasingly difficult for them to win. They both ended up in districts that there was tons of money spent so that they could win their general election. In the last two terms they were there, one I guess, maintain fidelity to what he told us far more than the other. They both got a few things done that we are happy about and pleased with. But the other spent a lot of time virtue signaling, spent a lot of time working his way up the ladder, making himself more powerful, making himself more valuable. I don't know if to the party or to himself, But in a sense, I don't think that's a good way to represent your constituents. Now, this goes back to the idea, right? 
I, if I can just get more power, I think I'm the right person to have power. And because I trust myself with that power, I'm going to assert the authority and I'm going to do everything I can to get more authority so that I can fix these things because I know better. And again, even with the most pure at heart and most benign individual, the most Christian of all people, when they get that much power, they're not really the same person. I think the Calvinists call it total depravity, right? Man is fallen. Man can't help himself but do that which is evil. Again, this kind of flies in the face of the Lockean perspective that man is naturally good and man is naturally at peace. I guess what I'm trying to say is we have to understand what the problem of power is. We can send the best person there But if they're focused on getting power, if they're focused on moving up the ranks, ultimately they're going to fail us. Ultimately, they're not going to represent their constituents. You're going to need at some point to find somebody that is focused far more on getting something done or the mission, which is to defend liberty and less about themselves and less about um, their own ego in order to get true representation. And yes, I'm aware that's a little self-congratulating there. And that's not necessarily my intent. It's just, that's my mindset. That's my worldview. And I wish that we had more people like that. And I would be thrilled to death if somebody would come out of the woodwork and run for anything and have that similar mindset. And I'd be glad to support them so I can stay at home doing my job, taking care of my wife, my daughter, Actually, I don't really need to take care of my daughter anymore. She's an adult. But these are things that are more important to me. It's my family, my church, and looking after my local community. But I got to tell you, when we're constantly under assault by both the feds and the state level people, we have to have one of our own people there. We have to have somebody there willing to say, no, this is wrong push back against that power because the problem is power itself. The more power you get, the more you want. The more that you want, the more corruptible you become. And the more corruptible you become, the more you seek control over others and things around you because you're corrupt and you don't want to lose that power. They all fit together. And if anybody's watched a mafia movie or read a mafia book, this should all sound very familiar because there's really no difference. We're going to call that the end of part one. Cut it off right at about 30 minutes here. Part two will come out next Thursday. That's the plan. Part three will come out two Thursdays from now. That, again, is the plan. I want to take just a moment at the end of this episode to let you know that, you know, sometimes the perfect is the enemy of the good. And there are two situations that are playing out in my hometown that quite frankly are disappointing at the least. We have a a seat, a city council seat that's essentially going to be open. And in my mind, I would love the idea that there was five or six different individuals who live in the district who would stand up to represent 
their interests, their family's interests, their community's interests, and run for that seat. Unfortunately, until yesterday, I knew of nobody that was willing to do that. Not the people that I associate with on the right. I'm sure the people on the left have somebody somewhere that they want to run. But even then, the signs have been able to go up for over a week. and I haven't seen one. I haven't even seen anything. And yes, I know we live in an insulated circle and we all pretend that we know best and all that other stuff. So that's not necessarily a criticism. It's just an observation. You have an open seat. And there aren't a bunch of people lining up to try and represent their community. I can think back to multiple races in the previous years, 2017 in particular, where there's five or six people running for an open seat. And most of them were pretty darn good candidates. My preferred candidate didn't win. The candidate that I ultimately ended up supporting didn't win either. But... The world didn't end. It's 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 not an all or nothing situation here. It's just trying to protect your community, making sure your community gets represented by different different ways of thinking more than anything else. It does no good to have diversity on the face, but then they're all mind-numb robots behind the scenes. And I don't know what's going to happen. I, I wish it did. Uh, I did. Well, I'm going to save this for tomorrow. The second issue is we have a known problem with what's going on at the school board. A known problem. And there have been three people that have been working for better or for worse to get their message out, to get their mm, job done, if you will, to put together a good campaign and be solid and, quite frankly, unseat some very long-term incumbents. And I got to tell you, I want nothing more than these incumbents to be retired. And again, part of this is going to come out tomorrow. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more at length. But now it comes to my attention (laughs) that you had two people that largely agree about things running in the same race. Now, we can argue semantics of who's a better candidate and all that other stuff. And there's something valid there. In fact, I'm going to probably ask to meet with them and say, hey, can we come to an agreement here that one of you is going to run now and the other one runs in two years? Because I think they're both candidates that are worthy of running. It's a good idea. But when you run in a race where there's no primary, there's no absolute winner, it's a plurality wins, why in the world would we want two people in the same race that are similar running against an incumbent? Makes zero sense to me. But that's what's happened. And I got to imagine the incumbents laughing their butt off. I got to imagine that the left of center people that are actually happy with the school board are laughing their butts off. And here we are. Vast part, (laughs) the vast majority of the city is right of center, varying degrees, yes, but north of 65% is right of center. Oh, yes, I know a lot of them identify as moderates, but they're not comfortable with some of the stuff that's been going on. And they're really put back on the notion of some of the policies that the school board is either allowing or encouraging. Yet, here we are trying to push back against that and people that should be on the same team are going to fight amongst themselves. 
And that's actually my lead into the next episode. Welcome to the machine. So if you've thought this was worth your time, your efforts, your entertained, informed, or just plain enthusiastic about listening to my sweet, sweet voice here, (laughs) do me a favor, do what I asked at the beginning. Like, subscribe, share, comment, rate the show. Let's get it out there. Let's more people know. And again, probably for another couple of weeks, personal friend of mine, he's made an ad and I'm happy to run it. I think he does a good job and uh, no money's exchanged. No favors are exchanged. I just support the parallel economy such as it is. So please stick around, listen to his brief ad. And until then, I will see you on the other side. Canceled by the big tech mafia, but inadvertently profiting from owning their stocks in a mutual fund or ETF. At Two Pillars, they believe that censorship is a form of violence and a business practice that does not promote human flourishing. In many cases, through their investigative screening process, they can help you divest from companies that are denying your God-given inalienable right to speak freely. Hey, patriots, Two Pillars believes it's time for conservatives to align their values and investments. Two Pillars is your place for impact investing in the parallel economy. Find out what's in your investment portfolio with a complimentary portfolio review. Contact them today to learn more. Call toll-free at 833-377-0051 or send an email to info at twopillarsam.com. That's info at T-W-O-pillarsam.com. Get started today. Advisory of Services are offered through Jacob and Boaz Asset Management, LLC, doing business as Two Pillars Asset Management or Two Pillars. A registered investment advisor in the states of Texas and California. Two Pillars is not endorsed by any government agency and is not engaged in the practice of law or tax advice.